Father's message is what kind of player are you? This is part one. We'll finish it next week. William Shakespeare's All the World's a Stage starts like this. All the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances and one man in his time plays many parts. His act being seven ages. There are seven acts that we play in life and as we play these out, I ask you this morning, are you real in those stages or are you playing somebody else that you really aren't actually, playing a part? This was Jesus' problem with the Pharisees. This is one of the things that always amazed me about Christ. He never really hammered sinners. I think he spoke to them in a calm, objective, loving way and said, I forgive you and go and sin no more. But when he got into church people, especially church leaders, he, his voice took on a whole other tone, if you will. In Luke 12, 1 through 5, this is a warning of against hypocrisy. It, it is something that infects all of us, actually, and I don't think anyone in here are, is free from this unless you're a little child. Now, Bella, she's okay in Jackson, but the rest of us older folks, it's, that's a whole different world. Meanwhile, the crowds grew until thousands were milling about and crushing each other. Jesus first turned to his disciples and warned them, Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. Beware of their hypocrisy. The time is coming when everything will be revealed. All that is secret will be made public. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. And what you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill you. They can only kill the body. They cannot do any more to you. But I tell you whom to fear. Fear God who has the power to kill people and then throw them into hell. We, we talk about God's love, and I like to talk about it. But there's another side of God that we don't talk much about. It's the judgment side, that he does have expectations of us. And he does have the power of life and death. Your death and when you check out of this place is totally in his hands. Every human heart on this earth is beating, and God Almighty holds it in his hand. And when he decides to squeeze that heart, you're gone, and our choice, what we've done with Christ in this life, depends on where we go. This warning from Christ is a warning that still is alive and vibrant and relevant as it was the day he said it, beware of the Pharisees and their hypocrisy. Jesus defines hypocrisy as a sad state of a person who reduces themselves to being an actor on a stage because they do not know God the Father or Jesus the Son enough or they don't know him at all. The original meaning of the Greek word hypocritia means stage actors. Jesus tells the Pharisees they are phonies for what they claim to be they really are not. They are just acting out a role. But when no one is looking, they revert to their true self, which is someone quite different. And Jesus wanted his followers to understand how sad and dangerous hypocrisy really is. So in chapter 11, he hammers the Pharisees for this very sin, starting in verse 37 until the end of the chapter. And he uses really strong, harsh, cutting-to-the-heart language. His words, he calls the Pharisees, Filthy, full of greed, wicked fools, 
forgetful of God's justice and love, corrupt, crushers of people, murderers, hiders of God's truth, keeping people from entering God's kingdom. Oh, it's, hard, it's hard to imagine those words coming out of the mouth of Christ, which originated in his heart. And now we see how urgent and vital Jesus' warning is to you and I. Beware of the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Well, in Luke eleven fifty three, we see how the church leaders responded. As Jesus finished speaking, the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law were furious. They'd been found out. Jesus exposed them for who they really are. From that time on, they grilled him with many hostile questions, trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. They couldn't handle the truth. So I asked you this morning, beloved, how do you handle the truth? What's your reaction when the Holy Spirit gets in here and gets a messing around, starts digging, and you feel his presence? What, how do you react to that when, when he confronts you? Because that's what he does. So after this passage denouncing the Pharisees for hypocrisy follows is a passage where Jesus warns his disciples about this same pernicious problem. Perhaps they were being tempted by the popularity of Jesus because throngs of people, thousands came to hear Christ. Even though the, the church leaders hated him, the common person, they thought he was the greatest thing since sliced bread in that, at that time. So they gathered thousands of them, and they were, the, the disciples were caught up in that popularity because they walked with him. They were with him. And I don't know when he spoke, they were probably gathering around him like Billy Graham used to do on stage. He'd have these other uh, church dignitaries and leaders surrounding him up there. So Jesus was concerned that that start going to their head and to their heart. They were beginning to follow the Pharisees on a path of hypocrisy, acting religiously, superior, judging others, while harboring things in their heart. And this was a big concern to Christ, as it is today with the likes of us. This type of hypocrisy was utterly repugnant to Jesus, parading a false religiosity in front of people, which completely ignores God. God was taken out of the equation. It was all about them. They thought the religious world surrounded them, and they were the center of it, which they were at that time. Those types of hypocrites claim to be close to God when, in fact, they are far from him. So Jesus is warning sternly the disciples of this yeast, this evil that spreads quickly among religious workers, but he also described a pauper devotion to God, which trusts in his care, Twelve seven in Luke, and the very hairs on your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid you are more valuable to him than a whole flock of sparrows. Jesus' warning, be on guard against the pride and hypocrisy. Be most concerned about your relationship with God and how you appear to others. So let's... let's um, Let's take some truth, or let's face some truth, you and I, right now, right here, together, this morning. From a distance, we're all beautiful people, well-dressed, well-behaved. I don't see anybody throwing chairs or dancing on tables in here. So we're calm. We appear to be that way. But what a difference, different picture when someone comes up close and gets in touch. What appeared to be placid is really a mixture of this. Winding roads of insecurity and uncertainty, maddening gusts of lust, greed, self-indulgence, pathways of pride glazed over with a slick layer of hypocrisy and shrouded in this ever-compassing cloud of fear, afraid will be found out. 
somebody will get close enough to find out who the real person is hiding in this shell. Up close, we're, from a distance we dazzle, but up close we're tarnished. And we put enough of us together, we might resemble an impressive mountain range. But when you get down to those shadowy, shadowy crevices, the Alps, we ain't. And I'm convinced that's why our Lord means so much to us. He scrutinizes our path, our every step. He is intimately acquainted with all of our ways. Darkness, are alike, darkness and light are alike to him. Not one of us is hidden from his sight. Our hearts are completely exposed. All of our faults, all of our weaknesses, all of our scars, all of our sins. They're laid open to him, and you cannot cover that up because he knows right, he can look right into us. All things are open and laid bare before him. Our darkest secret, our deepest shame, our stormy past, our worst thoughts, our hidden motives, our vilest imaginations, even our vain attempts to cover the ugly with snow white beauty. He comes up close and he sees it all. He knows our frame. He remembers we are dust. But best of all, he loves us still with an amazing love and an amazing grace. Can you say amen to that this morning? It's the thing that I know God's a mystery, but it's the thing that puzzles me the most. How he can continue to love me. I'm sure you feel the same way sometimes. We can be pretty good actors when we come to church. Actually, some of us could probably win Oscars. And I've said this probably many, many times. We could be dying inside, heart crushed, broken. But the majority of the time when we walk through those doors, we got a smile and hardly anyone can know what's going on here. God knows, but it's why I tell people that's getting married. When I talk to them, I will look at them and say, have you seen the monster? Some of them smile and know what I'm talking about and others don't. But I said, if you've not seen the monster, you will, because that monster lives at home. He doesn't parade around in society. And on rare occasions, if somebody cuts you off and road rage comes out, the horns come out and the monster becomes alive. We're all Jekyll Hyde personalities. Remember the, mo the story, Dr. Jekyll, nice guy, MD, respected, good bedside matter, I'm sure. No one could ever tell, but at night when he drank the potion, he turned into Mr. Hyde and he went out and slaughtered people. The real us, that monster, lives at home. And I say this a lot as well, the pressure that that puts on you as a parent or a grandparent, because those kids see the monster. They, they see the real you. And then when we bring them to church and act a certain way and smile and live our lives out in public, it doesn't line up sometimes in the car going home or being at home with some of the things that we do in front of them. Fact is, sin's ugly and poisonous roots find nourishment deep within our hearts. We cannot rationalize that away. Though we look successful, sound successful, talk about success, and even dress for success, all the while our hearts may be on the drift, not where they should be. It is possible to be privately eroding from the very things that our lips publicly extol. 
It's called pretending. A harsher term is hypocrisy, and you and I can be awfully good at it. The late Joe Bailey writes this, and I quote, Jesus warned his disciples, we must beware of hypocrisy, pretending to be something we aren't, acting with a mask covering our face. Hypocrisy is a terrible sign of trouble in our hearts. It waits only for the day of exposure. As John Milton puts in Paradise Lost, neither men nor angels can discern hypocrisy, the only evil that walks invisible except to God. That's profound, end of quote. It's the only evil that walks invisible to everybody but God. We talked about skunks a little bit. Our dog got sprayed with skunks a couple years ago. She come to the door, Diane lets her in, so we were introduced, the whole house was introduced to the skunk. It lingered more than one day. I tried to help get her washed off, and I'd come back to church, and preschool was getting ready. I think Jackson might have been here then, but them kids smelled something funny and looked at me funny. I said, what's that smell? I said, well, my dog got sprayed by a skunk. Diana goes to Basler's and was in line getting some tomato juice or whatever we tried, and there was a lady in front of her kept looking at her. Diana said, can you smell me? She said, absolutely. <laughs> so it hangs on you. Hypocrisy is different. You can't smell that. Now, sometimes people can see it in a sense, but deep in our hearts is, is where it is, and, and, and God, God knows that. You see how important for you and I this warning is to keep our eyes open and, and to take heed and watch your step and watch out. 12.1, meanwhile, the crowds grew until thousands were milling about and crushing each other. Jesus first turned to his disciples and warned them, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. Beware of the hypocrisy. His popularity began to grow in these large crowds. Why? He could do something for them. He could bless them. But more than that, he healed the lame and the sick, and he fed them, and on and on and on. And this drew the crowd. And, and Jesus was so concerned about that, that this would affect them that they would, they would start to see them more important than they really were. I, I ha, we have seen this before in people, especially in, in church world, that they might have been in a gospel group that gained great fame and favor, started making a lot of money and being popular. And it's sad to say that changes some people. It's the same with preachers that started out humble. The popularity became maybe a TV show, Millions start rolling in, and it affects them. And this is the yeast of the, high, of, of the Pharisees has got a hold of them, and that was Jesus' concern. 12, 2, and 3, For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have spoken in the ear and in rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. It can happen hypocrisy can when certain actions or attitudes are hidden. The Pharisees couldn't keep their attitude hidden forever. Their selfishness would act like yeast and soothe. They would expose themselves for who they really were. That they were not church leaders trying to get people into the kingdom to love them, to help them, to serve them. They were power-hungry imposters. I got a book a few years ago that these scholars had researched the Pharisees in depth. 
And after I read that, it, it really started to make sense. I knew some of the reasons that Jesus said that they were black inside. Pharisees had about 614, I think, or something, laws that they made up themselves. It wasn't from God. It was something that they did to benefit themselves. They extorted people for money. They did that. That's how they lived. That's how they bought those fancy robes. And also, even a darker twist. If you had a daughter that they wanted to sleep with, they could come and get her and do such. And you did nothing because they were at the top of the food chain. They were the leaders of the nation, in a sense. In all this, you start to read this, and it really starts to make sense why Jesus said, beware of this. The time of this revelation here in this passage could be the final judgment day when the true attitude of true hypocrites will be exposed. What's the signs of hypocrisy? Here's five. Kind of a self-examination. Sign one. Hypocrisy is knowing the truth but not obeying it. So he exposed the Pharisees. They knew the Scripture, but they didn't live by them. They didn't care about being holy. They just wanted to look holy. They wanted to put on this facade. They wanted people to, to look at them and almost bow down and say, look at this, this holy person. There are folks today that we could classify perhaps in this pharisaical state that they know the Bible from front to back, but they don't live it at all. And that's who Jesus is talking about. We as believers have to make sure that our actions match our beliefs. Second sign, hypocrisy is living a self-serving life. That there are some folks that, that want to get in church leadership because they like to see it on resumes. They like to see it if they're running for public office, deacon, elder, whatever. They, they do that for, their, for themselves and power. And then there are those within the context of the kingdom that want to get in the hierarchy to help run the church. They do believe that God has given this, them this vision, and maybe they might be the only one that has this, but they want to get in a position of leadership where they can steer and change the church to go the direction that they want. And that is exactly what Christ is talking about. And that's what the Pharisees did. Sign three, hypocrisy is claiming Christ as Lord without following him. The greatest, the greatest sign of being a follower of Christ is how serving you are, how you give yourself away. That is the bottom line. And when we do that, it stops us from focusing on ourselves Jesus came as a servant. What kind of, of greatness do you seek this morning as you think about your life? Sign number four, hypocrisy reduces faith to rigid rules. It's all that matters that you come up with these rules and you follow them. That, and there are folks that believe that today. It doesn't matter that you're black inside, but if you follow these rules, we don't have rules at Crossroads. When you go through life development, we talk about relationships. We function under relationships and not rules. Your relationship with Christ is first, and then our relationship with each other. We don't have a book of discipline. Some people do. I, I don't. I, I, want, I want. This is the book of discipline right here. I don't want another book than this. I want this one. So that's, that's, how, that's what we do here. Fourth sign was hypocrisy reduces faith to rigid rules. And another thing about 
something that we can't understand maybe. On those days, like I said, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were at the top of the food chain. In life in Jerusalem at that time, they were it. They were the role models. They were the one that set the standards. They were the ones that set the stage. That's why they had a problem with Rome coming in there messing with them. But nonetheless, for the Jewish people, it was them. And they were respected. I, I do believe in, in this day and age, sad to say, in our culture, there's a lot of offices that aren't respected anymore. The police, firemen to a degree, the judges. I can go on and on, and clergy's one of them. People don't respect, and maybe we've shot ourselves in the foot some of that. But nonetheless, teachers, principals, superintendents, I can, I can go through this whole list. The people that used to be held in high esteem, they don't, it's not that way anymore. And the last sign is hypocrisy is outward conformity without inner reality. When we're called to follow Christ, we are called to be givers. And it covers three areas in our life. We give her time, we give her talent, we give her treasures. There's a lot of times we get that mixed up and we only do one. There might be somebody that's a good giver but would never turn a tap to help or do anything for anybody else. That's, that, that doesn't add up. It's the three. It's time, talent, and treasures. The Pharisees strained every drop of water that they ever drank, according to the law, meticulous about the details of ceremonial cleanliness. They did not want to swallow a bug or a gnat that was unclean, so they strained all their water. They had lost their inner perspective on inner purity. Ceremonially clean on the outside, but they had corrupt hearts. Jesus condemned the Pharisees and the religious leaders for outwardly appearing saintly and holy, but inwardly remaining full of corruption and greed. Living our lives as believers for a show to others is wrong. We have to live for Christ, and if we are clean on the outside or on the inside, our outside will be clean as well. Today's big idea is this. Don't be hypocritical. Jesus warned against the spread of hypocrisy and its destructive consequences. How do you avoid hypocrisy? You can try these suggestions. It's the start of the day. Ask God to lead you one step further, enough to challenge you more to be real and not phony. Find a small group that wants to talk honestly about their lives and share those lives with each other. And if you don't find one, start one. Be the church where people can be who they are, a church that invites diversity in its membership. I do believe we believe that. So as we get closer to the end of this message, let me ask you, what kind of player are you on the world stage? Are you real? Do people know who you are? Can people see Christ in your life at home, where you work, if you're a student, where you go to school? It's, if not, I, I do believe that we, we could be playing the wrong part. As a follower of Christ, it should be the lead role in your life because it has consequences both now and forever. Is there any hypocrisy in you this morning? If you're honest with God, he will show you. 
If so, we need to do something about it. Confess, repent, and then ask God to help us move through life, actually. This clip, we see the Pharisees' hypocrisy in full strength. Let's watch. Buried in a field. And when you find this treasure... This woman, caught in the very act of committing adultery. In the law, Moses commands us to stone such women. What do you say, teacher? They're beating him. It's a trap. I was told you preach according to the law of Moses. Do you have an answer, Nazarene? Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to cast their stone. Pretty amazing story. You, know, you think about that, and I noticed in that clip, it, the, the disciples they were they were kind of smiling and whatever, but they re realized that they were in that group as well. Where where are you in that story? Because we're all one of those players. Maybe maybe you're the Pharisee, the accuser, the phony, the one that harbors things in their heart and points fingers at others and gossips. Or maybe you're the guilty woman caught in her own sin in dire need of forgiveness. Or maybe you're even Jesus, the healer, the restorer, and the helper. Jesus asked the woman, where are your accusers? And those that condemn you, they weren't there. They had fled. You can almost close your eyes and Hear those big rocks, thud, thud, thud. When they stoned somebody in that days, they didn't use little rocks. They used big rods that could inflict the most damage and kill quickly. They took off and 
Jesus nailed them with truth. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. And listen to me and let me guide your life. That's his words to you and I. And they're the same as he spoke them that day as they are here today. The true truth of Christ grips our hearts. To be like Christ, that is our goal, plain and simple. It sounds like a peaceful, relaxing, easy objective. But stop and think. He learned obedience by the things he suffered. So do we. He endured all kinds of temptations. So must we. To be like Christ is is our goal, but it's not that easy, is it? I'll guarantee you this morning, the most difficult thing that you and I will do in life is conform to the image of Christ. Because it is tough and it's painful. I don't think a lot of us see it that way because we don't listen to the Holy Spirit maybe like we should. But he's shaping, molding, knocking off rough edges. It's a constant thing. And therein lies that battle that we have with that old nature that lives within us. If you don't feed that new nature, that old nature is going to be the bully. He's going to kick sand in that new nature's face every day. And we'll continue to live in misery. We'll continue to be what Jesus said. Somebody that we really aren't. But when we play the role for Christ and be who we are to be, there's great blessings and peace and joy in that. So I love you guys. And we... We are in this together. There's no me and you, it's us. And we really need each other. I hammer that constantly, but I can't, <laughs> I can't seem to make it strong enough that it means what I really feel. I need you. And I hope we need each other. Because there's some days better than others. And there's some days we get that full skunk spray in the face. And we stink. It shouldn't matter how we smell, <laughs> whatever. We should still go to each other and love each other because that's who we are. Lord, I love you, and I just thank you for being so good and real to us. And I thank you, Father, in my own life for all the times you brought me back. And I'd stray, and you'd bring me back, and I'd stray, and you'd bring me back. And it's because you love me unconditionally, and I'm really trying to grasp that. So may we all sense that this morning in this place. And as we sing this song, as the Holy Spirit deals with us, uh, may we just be honest. Help us to leave clean this morning, Father. Nothing in there that should be in our heart. We ask these things in the precious name of Christ. Amen. You need to pray? Come on up. Pray where you sit. But uh, please listen to the Holy Spirit.